You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hello, lovers. Welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed. The show where you can come to discover the best things you never knew existed. And the show where you can force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. My name is Koji Nagata. I am a part-time driver and full-time costumer. What's the word for that? Someone who provides costumes. That sounds right to me. I don't know. Uh, And with me, as always, is my good friend and cowboy, Andrew Patterson. How's it going, buddy? It's going well. It's going, it's going well. So I say that because I was the driver from Drive for Halloween, or will be. He got re- he got really into this character too. We were talking about. Well, I'll let you go on. Yeah, go and on. and Andrew uh, was an impromptu cowboy. For yeah, Halloween. I was, was going to be uh, Busta Rhymes from the uh, the hit song "Put Your Hands Where My Eyes Can See." He's got like four costume changes, and it would have been easy because I because I already have the dreads, but. Uh, due to some unforeseen circumstances, I was unable to pull the costume together. So Koji provided me with a uh, way more of a cowboy costume than I was expecting. I thought he was like, yo, I got a hat, man. And then I came over and he had like a hat, a shirt, a vest, these like pants, like the, they're not chaps, but they're like pants with like tassels on them, a belt with holster, yeah. like a replica revolver. Like it was crazy. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And we have joining us some special guests from the overrated podcast. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves, <laughs> right? Is that what it's called, overrated? That's right. That's right, Koji. Uh, hey, my name is Alan. Hi there. I'm Joe. I'm a uh, full-time author and a part-time <laughs> hacker of government and corporate secrets, both international and national. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're getting to Great. one of my favorite parts already, but uh, why, don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about the overrated podcast before we get into uh, the whole you got to love it thing? Okay, so uh, each every second week we select a film that we think is overrated or a guest thinks is overrated. We talk about that a little bit, and then we choose or they choose a replacement film that yeah. works similar and like with themes and. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was on the show one episode, and I I discussed uh, Looper and a replacement for Looper, and uh, so you guys can check that out. Where can they check that out though? Overratedpodcast.com or uh, you can just Google that or you can just type that into Stitcher or iTunes or uh, Google Play. Yeah, pretty much any sort of uh, streaming service you prefer. Where fine podcasts can be found. That's right. I feel like if you like this show, you will like that show. So check it out. It's all about positivity, you guys. Well, yeah, like, absolutely. Mo- absolutely. Mostly, mostly positive. Well, I mean, what we're trying to do is we're trying to champion sort of the unsung voice in a, a popular majority of critical opinion. So yeah. we're, we're not necessarily trying to, like, rip movies apart. Yeah. But And we're not saying that these movies are necessarily bad. We're just saying that maybe they're a little overrated and they have, like, a little, you know, a little of criticisms that still haven't been kind of addressed by a minority of, of people. And also oh, yeah. to champion another film that maybe people haven't heard of, not necessarily an underrated film, but maybe a lesser known film or a lesser regarded film as well. So we're, we're very much about positivity. And then yeah, yeah, sometimes so, we love the movies that we choose. Yeah. The overrated yeah. films. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, Kick-Ass, right? You guys like love that Not movie? so much. <laughs> My, myself, I, not so totally, much. Totally kind of related to this. I just found uh, another podcast, not by anybody that we know, yeah. but Bill Simmons just uh, 
at the ringer.com. I don't know if you guys have any. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. he, the ringer.com just started a new podcast called, um, oh, God, I'm totally blanking on the name, but essentially what they do is they rewatch a movie that everybody has seen. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like thousands of times. Isn't it just called like rewatchability or something like that? Yeah, rewatchable, maybe. Yeah, the something. rewatchables. The rewatchables, yeah. I think that's what it's called. But it's like, when when he first like kind of threw to it on his podcast, which I was listening to, I was like, eh. But it's pretty incredible. Like they'll feel like two, you're like, there's no way that anybody could talk about a movie that I've seen like 45 times that I may like, but like I'm not gonna learn anything new about it. And they just parse like they pick it apart for like two hours, and it's it's, it's great. a deep dive. It's a real it's deep great. dive. Yeah, it's awesome. Concept. Yeah, it's cool. Anyway, so what were you saying about Halloween costumes before we cut you off with our intro? Oh, you he j- we were talking. We were on our way to a Halloween party and we were just talking about how it's when you put on a costume, it's very, you start to like really, imp, you know, inhabit, inhabit. Did you start that. talking in a Southern drawl? Did you I, start? I didn't, but Koji, <laughs> Koji was in the backseat of the car. He had like a perfect dry, like has the jacket, had the gloves. Like the scorpion jacket? Yeah. Nice. Scorpion jacket's right, right there. there. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. But he, but he also had a hammer. Right, <laughs> and the nail? did you have a, did and, you carry around the nail? Oh, no, 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 bullet. The, it's a bullet. It's a bullet. It's a bullet. Yeah. yeah. We we I, I turned around at one point at like a red light, and he was just sitting in the back seat, just like holding the hammer, and just like <laughs> looked like he maybe wasn't quite there. And I was like, "Hey, you doing all right back there?" And he's just like, "I'm ready, man." <laughs> just like like if we had seen some sort of bullying situation on the way to that party, he would have gotten out of that car and just. It's got a full Ryan Gosling. It's kind of funny because I was at a party after Natalie's party with mm-hmm. some people that I know well enough. But one of uh, one of our friends was like, he looks really mysterious. To me. And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't. Is it the jacket? I don't know. Or maybe it's just, just my dead a, eyes. You, yeah. You just had a very like you just had a very <laughs> Gosling-esque facade. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our hidden gem for the week, which is. My mother's eyes or the, the eyes, eyes of my, of my mother. mother. The eyes of my mother. Okay. I don't know where to start with this one because, you know what? I'm going to let you start because you suggested it and you're going to tell me why this movie is a hidden gem. Okay. Should I start with like a brief synopsis? Yeah, or? sure. Okay. Give us give us a rundown of what the movie is about. I mean, I'll, I'll try and then you can tell me if I've, if I've left anything out. It's about a girl uh, who lives with her parents and witnesses her mom get murdered by a psychopath kind of lets this guy into their house and then the mom gets killed and the dad's kind of like oddly uh, yeah (laughs) just like well i guess that's done help me dispose of your mother basically and no surprise you know this is happens when she's really young she grows up to be a bit of a psycho herself they they also chain the perpetrator up in the barn outside that's yes Right. right yeah so um and she grows up with this guy chained for like at least 10 years, if not more. I don't know what the timeline of this movie is. But yeah, roughly. It looks like she ages about 10 years. Or yeah. Um, chained up in, in the barn and then the dad dies and she feels alone. So she tries to like bring this chained intruder into her home. By the way, she's cut out his eyes and his vocal cords. Yeah. And uh, to like fill the void that the, the the dead dad is now left because she's would otherwise be totally alone. He tries to escape, so she gets mad and kills. It's like him. the full rundown, yeah. Right. Uh, loves he, killing people. Tries to find another replacement in in uh, you know by way of random lesbian lover at a bar. <laughs> kills that girl because that doesn't work out, and then kidnaps a wife or a, a mother and child. 
right? That's yeah. essentially the movie. That's basic. That's the gist of it. But I also, I mean, I know we're going to kind of delve more into it, but I think it should be noted to anybody that's like listening and still wants to watch the movie after hearing, you know, uh, in broad strokes as describing the whole movie. The, I feel like the the meat of the movie lies in the fact that she is like raised in an environment where she has not a lot of contact. She doesn't really have a lot, seem to have a lot of context. So even though she's doing all these crazy things, she doesn't, it's not like your traditional horror movie where she's like, she seems nuts all the, you know, like she just seems like she's just like, oh. There's no maliciousness. Yeah, she just like, it's really out of a. It's almost like a weird curiosity kind of, you know, like she's exploring. Very distant. Yeah. um, Emotional. Which is very, which is of course very unsettling. Like when you're Very unsettling film. Yeah. 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 She's raised in this rural environment, so yeah. she there's like a lot feeling of isolation, a yeah. theme of isolation. Even though she has, she's left with her father mm. when her mother dies. Her father's a very distant man, mm. so it is almost like she's alone yeah. and just doesn't know how to um, maintain or develop human relationships. Which is like the essence of a sociopath, I guess, who just doesn't understand human interaction or right. uh, the value mm-hmm. of human life or some suffering or empathy. These things are really foreign concepts to her, but not to her fault. It's just the way she's been raised so but so distantly. I would almost argue you know, that it's it's also it was innate in her even before. The oh, that's true. Th- absolutely, certainly. There's a disturbing element to her that she that is exacerbated through her situation yeah. for sure. There's something very off about you, because when the guy kills the entire family, well, <laughs> the whole family. Yeah, when, yeah absolutely. When the the moment that it kind of shifted gears from like uh, this has been done to her was when the when the murderer who'd been chained up it escapes and she just go, follows him like she sees him trying to like blindly mm-hmm. find his way out in the woods yeah and she just like stabs him repeatedly and then she's just like oh you were right like you're this right. This, this does feel really good yeah. it's amazing like, and you're just like i was just like oh okay but, well no it kind of like even you might have been disturbed before that but you're kind of like ah oh, she just had like a really weird traumatic childhood that made her turn out this way maybe would, and then you're like ooh I would disagree with that because from the beginning when that guy kills her mom mm-hmm. and then she goes into the barn and she's like well why would I be mad at you like I don't know that a normal person would have that reaction even if they didn't no, understand certainly. death or killing or whatever they would know somebody took my mom away and I fucking hate you now but he, she was just like oh, like it's totally cool yeah I mean the way the father reacts the way she reacts yeah. to these things is obviously signifying that that there's something very off about this family and they're very isolated and they, they're very remote, emotionally cold people. And this is kind of what you get when you, when you like, this is basically what I like to describe as like Ed Gein basically meets Amelie. Like it's fucking like, this is how a serial killer happens. Like when people ask about like, well, what's the motivation? Like, you know, and you know, what are the reasons? How does a serial killer make it to these steps where they just have no concept of, of empathy or, or, or the, the, pain and you know anything like that like this is what happens you know uh yeah it's really interesting that uh so uh but what to you makes this movie a hidden gem like wh- why did you choose it to be the the movie uh i might have like some some personal reasons for that um oh interesting <laughs> okay it's because it's half in Portuguese. Is that why? It's your, your Portuguese Partly, heritage. Yes. You're this connecting. Is I'm going to touch on this. <laughs> really? Wow. Okay. okay. So, other than for obvious reasons, I totally get that this film 
um, comes from someone with a Portuguese background, Nicholas Pesci. Mm-hmm. Pesci, I believe it's from. I, I think it's Pesci, actually. I I, an I've seen an interview him. of him pronounces. I, I watched one. Okay. <laughs> I saw someone say Pesci. Oh, whatever. It's Pesci, not Joe Pesci, Pesci. isn't it? Okay, whatever. <laughs> There's an E at the end. Yeah, it's like Pesci, like <laughs> fish, but it's Pesci. Okay. Okay. Um, I totally get that this film comes from someone with a Portuguese background, um, specifically like a Portuguese Catholic background. Mm. Um, and I think he was trying to work things out here. This is mm. his first film. Um, in my experience, there's like there's a culture of celebrating life whilst like reveling in um, suffering mm-hmm. uh, in in um, in Portuguese culture. Um, it's a rather contradictory way of being, um, and we see that reflected in the film. I think okay. uh, Francesca's mother, uh, Francesca's mother, is a surgeon, mm-hmm. um, so she's a person of science. Um, but there's also like religious iconography throughout the film. Oh yeah, yeah everywhere. Right. There yeah. So, um, the first opening scene is about Francis of Assisi right. and his stigmata and like his insanity that basically caused his death. You know, what I mean, like it's like that's like the setup of the the plot. And well, Francesca's story kind of mirrors. Oh, absolutely. The story that Certainly, her mother yeah. Yeah. relates to her in the beginning. Um, yeah, we see a statue of Saint Francis in the beginning. There are crosses. Uh, there are statues of Mary all over the place, mm-hmm. um, and there's symbols of religion, but also of suffering. Um, and uh, yeah, and that, that's why it kind of I kind of like related to it. I know it's right. like a very subjective thing, yeah. Um, yeah. And maybe it doesn't uh, work in, for this in the same way for other people. Right. Alan is self-flagellating himself as we do this podcast <laughs> right now. <laughs> He's much to no, suffer. No, just because like I, I, I've had a peak. Or um, <laughs> I've kind of lived within mm-hmm. that culture. Yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. I mean, we've all. I mean, whatever background we come from. I mean, I certainly have had. But you know, my I'm mother wore Catholic. black for like two years after my grandmother died, and yeah. you you always see like Portuguese widows on the street that wear black for the rest of their lives, right? Yes, it's like they, the they just revel too. in yeah. misery and suffering. Mm. <laughs> well, it's a very, very public display, and it's a very right. You know, and it's it again, becomes like, like a competition. Like, I, there is a bit of a performative aspect to it. I will agree. I don't know if it's a competition who can outgrief who, but like well, that turns a funeral, into like a lyric, like, like a funeral. Or, okay. it's, it's probably the there's same a lot of like cultures. There's people. a lot of cultures that that have a lot of performative aspects in the way they deal with death and and other emotional ceremonies. But um, yeah, no, I understand. I think there's like you know that there's a lot of uh, it's really interesting how it reveals the character. Like again, like how Francisca from her very first scene as a child how she reacts to violence when she pricks her finger on the the cross of thorns or whatever on the That's statue the, oh, the right. stigmata yeah, the yeah. stigmata right mm-hmm. so like she's just totally nonplussed but she's like sort of non she's like not affected by it at all she's like um completely not nondescript about it she's just that's just a thing you know mm-hmm. and, and then you know there's there, there's very much an investigation in this film throughout uh uh i would say like a surgical or clinical view of violence mm-hmm. that i think lends itself very well to the sort of soci- sociopathic behavior that we see and that makes it more cr- frightening and more psychologically deep i guess than just like a typical typical slasher movie yeah you know? <laughs> okay <laughs> the dog agrees the dog agrees <laughs> It uh, it was for me. It was definitely interesting to watch, and it was really beautifully shot. I had no idea it was going to be in black and white, which I think maybe adds to it a little bit also. But it was just. I'm getting the impression you didn't like this, uh, Koji. No, I I I, I shouldn't. <laughs> He's waiting for the butt. <laughs> no, no. It, I was just the entire time. I was sitting there, kind of like anxious, waiting to see what was going to happen because I thought there was going to be, I don't know, some sort of big. I guess it all comes crashing down in the end, but I thought it was going to be more than that. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I honestly thought there was going to be, 
I guess I'm just so used to other horror movies, like somebody escapes and gets their revenge or whatever the sure. situation was. Like I was waiting for the other shoe to drop the entire time. So I was like, just kind of. But didn't you like that this wasn't that? <laughs> in the end, in the end, yeah. But yeah. well, I was I was super anxious the entire time watching it, being like, okay, like what's gonna happen? Is this kid gonna like fuck shit up, or is the mom somehow? But you know, then she loses her eyes and her vocal cords as well, and I'm like, okay, it's not gonna be her. Like I, the entire time, I was just waiting for the next thing. Be- I guess because I'm so. Uh, pre-programmed by the horror movies that come out these days that sure, I was like yeah. oh, you know what's gonna happen next something else I sorry something no, else ahead. I really enjoyed was that I was able to feel or I did feel empathy for uh, Francisca um, and she's kind of a horrible person she's a monster <laughs> yeah. she is a monster but, but I did feel sorry not for her a I felt for her yeah, it's, I mean, it's just all, all great monsters are sympathetic to some degree, right? So, mm. What were you saying, Andrew? Sorry. Uh, well, yeah, just me, me weighing in on this movie. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have listened to many, if any, of our of our other episodes, but like uh, Koji will know that this is not my type of movie. <laughs> oh wow! Being like, not not that it's bad. I just like uh, we have long discussions about. You know, uh, we had to watch Antichrist at one point, and there's just yeah. <laughs> a lot of discussion about a movie should be enjoyable because, yeah, th- like don't get me wrong, I watch a lot of films. Like I watch like it runs the gamut, but I just it's never really been. I like I like sci-fi, I like thrillers. To you know, it's not that I'm like anti like gore or something, but. There's just like a certain genre of movie that I just like. I'm just not interested in. Like it, it's certainly because, not an exciting film in that sense. Like a, a titillating sort of. That's keep, the, I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's not even it. Like it's a, it's a conventional narrative. Kind no, of, not even that. Okay. All of those are the things that I like about this. Yeah. I don't like horror movies, okay. and and I would classify this movie, even though they're like it was interesting hearing you guys even just now, or you'd like talk about the sort of cultural influences and stuff that was in this movie, and like I was like, oh, like. Those are things that, for me, I didn't pick up on at all because when I was watching it, I was like looking at it from the perspective of somebody who doesn't norm. Like I was basically like, okay, this is going to be like a twisted, pretty twisted, pretty messed up. Yeah. You know, I would still classify it as like some sort of horror. Oh, you know what I mean? It's a so it's like a gothic horror. Basically. I like, a yeah, new, new gothic horror. Totally, and it just sort of like for me. I'm not even like anti-horror movie. It's just like, it's hard for me to pin down exactly the type of movie that it just sort of, I very quickly classified this movie as a good example of this type of film. But like, I just was like, I feel like you just don't like things that are just disturbing. It's a certain type of disturbing. Like, I guess it probably has to do with like maybe the order that I saw movies in as a kid. But like, I like, like, for example, I like Alien course i mean i know like everybody loves alien but like there's like certain movies that have disturbing qualities or like ask disturbing questions but when it comes to like but the central idea of the movie isn't like disturbing do you know what I, do you know what i mean like yeah the point of, of it isn't just to for you to watch in horror as like these things the, unfold. yeah like this scary is, movie this I is i wasn't scared while i was watching this movie i was kind of fascinated yeah and disturbed and like horrified and, and uh, i guess what you would i guess it's a different kind of level of horror like it's 
it's like a body horror, lit, but it's also like a, it's disgusted. Unhinged. Maybe it's, it's, I, I it's rather it gruesome. Disgusted. It's, yeah. It yeah. is. It is. You know, the black and white. Weirdly enough, like you'd think that would desensitize you to the horror of it, but it actually makes it more convincing. The the blood and the gore makes it more convincing. The fact that it's in black and white because mm. you're not. Oh, that's cheap movie blood. Like that. Like yeah. you know, like the fact that it's in black and white makes it more convincing. Uh, but I, I I was just saying like yeah like it just it's more of a disturbing and unsettling and the atmosphere of it like we just went through the plot like mm-hmm. really quickly like the plot is not a heavy plot mm-hmm. there's very you know there's chapters and certain things happen in each chapter and you know but it's like the mood and the unsettling and disturbing and the sort of like just the the I don't know just the atmosphere of it is very very like The Shining in a way like is The Shining's not necessarily a scary movie for most people like you know mm-hmm. I know Jack Torrance is crazy the minute I see him on screen <laughs> you know like it's not a surprise but the mood and the atmosphere and the psychological like like just un- unfurling of mm-hmm. that the unraveling of it is really what makes it unsettling yeah for sure and I would put it this like don't get me wrong I'm not putting these movies in the same category because I think that this the caliber of this movie is high it's like higher grade but like i don't like saw i don't like hostile i don't like torture porn i don't like you know like i don't like movies that are like horror movies that i like horror movies that are psychological which to an extent this movie had a lot of like you know it was like you were thinking like when i was watching it i was like oh fuck you know but i guess just sort of out of the gates it was hard for me to overcome my bias because like when I kind of saw what was happening in the beginning with like the salesman when he like comes into the house, I was just like, okay, you know, like it, it, <laughs> it's all it, going down. Yeah. But it's, it, it's sort down. of like, I don't know. It's, it's not that I didn't like the movie. It just, I'm just trying to frame that. Like my opinion was kind of unfortunately formed very quickly just based on the type of movies I watched. So I mm-hmm. saw that happen and I was like, oh, okay. And then when I saw that he was like chained in the, in the barn, I was like, oh, Okay, <laughs> and it was just sort of like even though I was, but still, it had to go like a way you didn't expect. Like you didn't expect her to form a relationship with him. Yeah, that's right? true. Yeah. And I and I think that um, I I just I think that really what it comes down to is this movie for you. And you can correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of the movies that you enjoy that are horror esque also have a a degree of mystery to mm-hmm. them, or like uh you know something that needs to be unlocked or figured out. Whereas this movie and some of the other movies you mentioned, it just kind of plays out and you can see it playing out that way before it even gets there mm-hmm. and it's I think for for me anyways the enjoyment is just like I, I don't know seeing the you know the the depths of the payoff this, this this woman's psychosis or whatever it's but a, like if you know that it's going to go down that road I feel like for you that's like you know you're like okay I get it sort of yeah. yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't correct that statement like for example when the Japanese exchange student or you know like when she goes Kimiko to the bar yeah Kimiko. when Kimiko when like when that was happening like I don't know I guess just mentally I, I didn't like turn off but it just sort of like I knew what I knew yeah, yeah like you just kind of know you're I was just like <laughs> and it would have been more surprising and almost more unsettling if it I mean it wouldn't have been because fucking you know this person gets basically butchered but like if that whole thing had happened and then she just got away, but like, you know, there was just the whole thing was just very tense. It, it kind of almost would speak to like so, having an interaction with somebody who's a total stranger and the whole time you're like, ooh, I'm really uncomfortable. And it doesn't you like, don't know who this person it is. doesn't end in anything, but like you're still kind of left thinking like, mm-hmm. you know, did but she, did she kill her dad? No, no, I think she I think did. He, 
I don't know. She, no, I mean, I don't no? So, you don't think no. she she poisoned him or anything like no, that? No, no. I I mean, there's no evidence to it, but why would she say that? Yeah, that's true. That, that's what really confused me when like, she's like, oh, I killed my dad. I was she like, seems, yeah, I mean. I, I didn't think that she did. That's true. I don't know. I no, thought he just I don't died think in his sleep. She did. I think she may be feeling some kind of guilt. Maybe. Know. That's possible. Yeah, yeah I guess so. I okay. mean, which, which is also I just, really part of Portuguese. I want to give it up for the actor who played the father. His name is Paul Nezak. Holy shit! What a performance! Like his acting, not the not father? necessarily his not necessarily his voice or anything. Is I one thing I don't really. I one thing is like a detracting thing that I think was that the I think some of the sort of the vocal performances or the delivery of the, the some of the performances were not so strong. But I think the, because the dialogue is so sparse, that really helps the film. But that guy is unbelievable. He I totally would have bought that that was like a dead dummy that they put in that bed the way he's so straight and just the rigor mortis that's set in on his body yes. as he's like like tossed into the 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 like has face like submerged in the in the in the in the bed and sorry milky in, the, water. In, the, in the milky yeah. disgusting soapy water and like what that guy did to keep that illusion i don't know how he looked like it but his face looked shrunken like he had yeah. been like desiccated like he was a, like a dying body like i don't know how that fucking actor pulled that off but it was <laughs> exceptional how i've never seen a dead body like that like the just the way the guy's body moves was extraordinary and the way he just did not ever ever imply that it was just some actor I like I'm just convincing almost a point there where it was like did they actually get like a, a, a body, a body? Like, a, like a dead yeah. body <laughs> yeah. for this role like it's unbelievable yeah that was a good yeah. physical uh, it's incredible physical yeah. performances across the board for the most part but yeah I mean the guy who played Charlie too was especially creepy I thought. Will Brill, Will Brill. <laughs> Will who's Charlie Brill. The psychopath. Sales, the sales oh yeah, oh yeah. The, the, the traveling stuff. psychopath. No, I love that he, guy. He definitely has like a Timothy Carey esque kind of uh, vibe to him. I don't know if you guys know Who Timothy. Is that? Carey. He Timothy Carey was a really, really a uh, very unsettling looking actor back in the Kubrick days. He's in Paths of Glory and in The Killing and in I forget what other Kubrick film he's in. But he, you just look at him and you know that this guy is capable of just random violence at any <laughs> moment. Like he is so fucking unhinged. Yeah, I was gonna say and he looks like. Sorry, sorry. I was just saying, Tim Curry in real life was a real fucking psych, like nutcase kind of guy who had like really strange beliefs about farting in public and not holding it in, and and like you're poisoning yourself by holding <laughs> in the methane in your body. And he had like all these Whoa. weird philosophies. Uh, but yeah, Timothy, definitely look up Timothy Carey. Uh, really, just you just look at the images of his face, and he's just got this wild-eyed, insane look that you look at it. This person immediately, you think that this person is just like like Will Brill is like, well, this guy is not a normal person. This guy is completely like unhinged and not safe to yeah. be around at yeah. all, which I think is great. I mean, it's a, it's a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting because I was, a after watching it, I was like, okay. Um, and I, I think I texted Koji and it was kind of like, why? Because that's kind of how I felt after Antichrist because it's it's not that I didn't see, like, why are you having this guy on the show? No, 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 not at all. I'm no, doing this. no, but like, what is the point of what the message of the film? I guess, or, or yeah, like, what I found it a hidden gem. I guess that's that too. But like for me, the the thing that we struggle with that we talk about constantly on yeah. on and off the show is like Antichrist to me was fantastic. Like it was like I thought by every traditional measure, I was like, this is incredible, you know. I but love that film too. What's that? I love that film as well. Yeah, and it was very Great powerful. Great date film. Great date film. <laughs> but at the end of it all, I was kind of like, but also like, okay, great. Like, but why, did, what, like, what, what am I gaining? Not even just enjoyment, but like, 
it didn't even feel to me like there was like a message or something to it was just kind of like here's something that is so so traumatic like the the experience of watching it is traumatic and what's happening in it is traumatic and then like when the movie was done i wasn't like well i feel like i've grown or learned or like there, i just you was like gleaned, I just you feel, didn't feel like you gleaned anything into like the idea of how like isolated people uh if they have a certain predilection towards yeah. a certain attitude or temperament or something given certain circumstances they could become unwittingly like one of the worst monsters of all time like without any vindictiveness or any sort of malice but I yes mean, that's, that's what i took away from it is that there's no mustache twirling evil here she is so desperately lonely she needs yeah. to steal a child she tries to have sex with charlie in order yeah. to make a child i'm assuming that yeah. doesn't work out like as a relationship i mean that's but oh, I, but i just i, guess, I wasn't like, thinking that actually oh totally yeah. i thought yeah, that she was thinking. trying to impregnate herself hmm. with uh i pull up pull i didn't a world according to me. i thought she was just looking for closeness trying to pull a yeah. world according to garp type thing <laughs> where she like rapes a man essentially and I, I thought she just child. wanted that his physical. body in the bed to replace her, her the father? dad's body. Maybe, sure, yeah, that there's that, well, that yeah. too, companionship I think as that well. speaks to the ambiguity of the, the film in, like Sure, and entirely. whatever you put yourself into and, yeah. and imagine what her, her mind space is like. I mean, I guess for, for to like further Andrew's point, the thing is, it's like, if I watch a movie like Irreversible, let's just say, mm. I can say, okay, well, you know, rape is, is a thing that uh, happens, unfortunately... You know, it's not uncommon, I guess, right? Like it's it's something that you hear about regularly, but the circumstances set forth forth in this movie for this person to become a psycho, I think it's so slim. And then like what happens in Antichrist is just you But know, it's not even it's yeah. it's not really yeah. a, a like a, a glimpse into something that I would deem to be really all that realistic or like let every me put day. it this way. Well Antichrist I, is more of a fantasy. It's like a uh, like a like a male chauvinist fantasy of of like evil women and which like the witch the concept of the witch i guess and miso I, misogyny i i feel like there are certain things that for me it's like um you know fr people that people that travel to places experiencing something firsthand i totally understand as somebody that loves to travel is different but like if somebody was like uh i'm going to one of the five most poverty top five most poverty stricken countries in the world which of which i this is like a true story I'm yeah. not gonna name, and like you go there. You know who you are. Yeah, you go there, and then you are traumatized by it. It's just like, I'm like, yeah. What were you, you expecting? Know? Yeah, and yeah. so for me, it's like, sure. I'm not saying that, because I, I agree with everything you said, but for me, when I watched that film, I was like, okay, yeah. But like, wh why? Why? Like, why, you know? Like, wh wh is there something that you feel like, like, as somebody who's creating this, other than maybe just to sort of again shock and, and traumatize people and make them be like this is something you know like I just I, I just I think I struggle with that personally like for mm -hmm. me I'm just like so when I when I'm looking uh, you know if a film is disturbing like I just almost feel like at the end I want to be like oh fuck like this is something now that I'm going to think about regularly or something that I'm going to look more into you know not. like you don't have to think about it on a daily basis it'll drive you nuts no, but I guess I, mean, I guess, I guess like, the, the, I'm happy we can compartmentalize <laughs> yeah. it yeah and, and it's just not it's just that about it. well that's that's just it like yeah. I for me there's no benefit for me to watch something that I then have to compartmentalize and just like not think about whereas with frequently the reason that I keep using science fiction as a as like a like disturbing science fiction is that frequently a good science fiction film if it's disturbing it still poses like a philosophical question or something that at least to me I guess is just more fascinating like 
somebody being isolated and then doing horrible things i'm just like okay that's one thing but it's like i'm trying to even think of an example like if there's something that's like really disturbing that's about fucking i don't know cloning or artificial intelligence or just you know like and and it's kind of make it's like an unsettling experience i'm still just like oh shit like this is something that i think it maybe it's just interest to be honest with you like mm, um, it's just never really been it's never really been my thing but i do think that like again technically like there's some really interesting the tarp shot i was like oh I, 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 absolutely this that was crazy shot beautifully it was uh, unreal the I lighting on the barn it. when like yeah. it's like night and it's like misty and yeah, like, it's almost just abstract by the d- it's almost abstract oh, yeah, and yeah. Sort of negative and positive space and the, the high contrast to black and white photography uh, it reminded me from the first shot i was like am i watching a sven nyquist film like a like a it, like an ingmar bergman like like this is incredible like yeah just the shot of like her lying down on the bed i'm like this is very familiar of like some like 1960s european cinema uh or like also just reminds me of i don't know if you guys are into photography like Dorothea Lang uh, depression era photographers like Walker Evans um, that the portraiture of just like the grimy farmhouse and like the sort of like just isolated farmhouse mm-hmm. concept like it was just incredibly realistically rendered as well as incredibly artfully and uh, you know high contrast uh, you know scenes high key scenes low key scenes mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, that become almost abstract like you know just driving down this dark highway and it just becomes this kind of abstract imagery <laughs> until she gets to the bar or whatever you know like pretty crazy really for incredible. a debut uh, the, much yeah. much much respect for the cinematographer's name is um, Zach Cooperstein who shot this on the red epic dragon which is a digital cinema camera uh, which you know, cool. I mean, is it looks incredible. It doesn't look like film. Like it yeah. looks way smoother than film will ever look. Like there's no judder, there's no grain, there's nothing. It's like it's immaculately smooth, and the texture of the of the photography is just astounding. I'm amazed. Yeah, uh, and that's one of the best things in the film for sure. Absolutely, like it was astounding to watch. Yeah, it I, hypnotizing. That's the one thing that I, I took away from this, and it's it's funny that we keep talking about Antichrist, but I guess it it's also fitting is that like. The one thing that I took away from both those movies is how beautifully shot they were. I would never look at this movie and be like, I mean, you can't consider it bad. It's obviously a lot of love was put into it and and like a lot of time and they had a, a lot of people working on it who are very good at their craft. And I think that it shows in the film, even if you don't like the story, you can watch it and be like, oh, this is beautiful. Oh, absolutely. You take one frame, you freeze frame any setup or any com- 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 composition, and it's a beautiful, incredible, astounding photograph. You'd be very happy to be like, ah, I took that, you know, like put it on your wall or something. You know, like it's the level of detail, just as like, you know, the father's like washing his face or something. There's like this. Uh, just uh, unnatural and uh, the amount of detail and the wrinkles on his face is just incredibly impeccably rendered and just uh, astoundingly yeah just uh, I, I really like the scene where the kid first discovers the his mother I yeah. guess mm-hmm. in the barn and she's like you know in the shadow and you kind of see this figure kind of crawling out and it's almost like at that point, it's almost like a classic horror film. Exactly. Yeah, totally, like, a totally American-style Hollywood movie would be about start from the kid discovering this monster in the barn. Right. And it would, it would be like, you know, The Sixth Sense or something like that. It would start from there. What is this mystery in the, the barn? The you know cold I mean? open like, is kind of like that with the trucker coming up. On yeah. The, sure, yeah. You don't know who that is. Yeah, yeah. It's got like a quick, you know. She's like, very wraith-like cut, as well. <laughs> pardon me? She's very wraith-like. She's uh, Wraith-like. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Okay. She's got like the Yes. Yeah, yeah. She's very wraith-like, very ghostly. I was so confused at the beginning of that because I was like wait is that 
like is that the girl? Did yeah, it was a bit ambiguous. Or, it was ambiguous, yeah. like who that was. But right. obviously, like it becomes clear later on. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. no, no it, it's a good payoff. It's a really good payoff. Yeah, I, did, I was wondering. I did how like the ending. That though. woman would have communicated to the I, authorities that didn't where the farmhouse was. That, yeah, she would just write, she's write it down. down. Yeah. Just write but it down. She can't. That's what I said. I her eyes. She has no eyes. Yeah, but she can write. She can pull a Kellen Keller. Helen Keller. Can you? Helen Keller. Been years though. You could write a sentence with your eyes closed. Yeah. But what if you had been chained up in a barn with no vocal cords and no eyes for, for several like, years? Because yeah, that kid grew from a baby to <laughs> like a young I'm with kid. you on that one. But she also knew where the house was beforehand. Because when she was driving, it wasn't like the girl was directing her. She's like, oh, yeah, oh, you you're, up here? you're yeah, right yeah. up here on yeah. the left or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. she knew where it was. But yeah. how did? But how does she know where she is when the trucker even finds her? Like she can't see. Doesn't matter. Here. They'll bring her into like a fucking police so? station. Or I don't something. know. It's debatable. I think, I think no, it's very. No. I think it's very clear cut. <laughs> right. I, I have no problems with that whatsoever. That she was able to get right. to the authorities and eventually they would find her. Yeah, absolutely. I had no problem with that. But I, my only problem with the ending was that it was a bit too abrupt. Actually, is like I was like, whoa, this is really falling. This is literally ending really, really quickly. How fast? Mm-hmm. They yeah, yeah. How yeah, fast that montage yeah. kind of like, comes to a conclusion. I was like, whoa, 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 it's ending. Whoa, okay, it's over now. Okay. I was like, okay, it was a bit abrupt. But I guess yeah. the point. I, the the movie isn't really about that like how her downfall it's just more about her mm-hmm. being a psycho but know? it also I think the the there's almost like a time like it it felt fuck I don't even know how to say this it, it's like the parts that were slow it it felt believable because of the isolation because mm-hmm. like the, she wasn't being interrupted or anything but like the fact that it sped up so much at the end I was like yeah. You know, like movies have a, especially Hollywood movies have a way of making events, you know, think of like cop procedurals or something like that. Or like, you know, there's like a, a hostage situation. Like it's not always going to be a drama, you know, like sometimes they're just, they're like, we need to make this more of a thing. So it's not just like a 30 second shot of like people with guns walking in, seeing somebody holding somebody at knife point and just killing them. I like how it's like the ending of, of Reservoir Dogs where she pulls a, a car for Kaitel where it's like, put the knife down! Put the, it's like all off screen, the cops are all off screen. It's like, put the fucking knife down! No! And then they just blow her away. And it's like, like Harvey a- Kaitel. Yeah. It was, it, like, was, I was like, it was like, kind. I mean, I'm not saying he was like impersonating that. I'm yeah, not saying yeah. it was an homage or anything, but it was just like, ah, she pulled a Harvey Keitel. She's just like, she, uh, Mr. White. You know, she has like her, her lover, her like care, person she cares about, you know, in her lap or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a lot of really actually interesting film references in this film. I mean, I don't know if you guys, obviously Psycho is, I mean, when you're dealing with any psychopath, uh, psychopathic serial killer movie. You're, yeah, it's yeah, obviously it's Norman Bates. You know, I mean, there's there's, there's a, a necrophiliac father. kind of like yeah. uh, uh, parental obsession aspect to it. Which it's you funny know, because mother, you know, like you I know. immediately thought of Weekend at Bernie's. You well, know? there's <laughs> also that. <laughs> you know, Weekend at Bernie's one or Weekend at Bernie's two. I, I don't want to. Was he dancing for gold? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I don't want to. Under a voodoo spell. Yeah. Yes. I don't want to. Well, like that's what you get when you use a pigeon instead of a chicken. I know. I know that. I know that there's probably. I mean, I don't know how many people have seen both of these movies i feel like it probably everybody here has seen this movie i'm about to mention but there's a similar movie that, mentioned the movie already well, i'll get to <laughs> it it's kind of it's kind of funny because like your your show being about like here's a movie you know even a movie that we like what mm-hmm. is an example that like you like better or that yeah, you think works is better yeah. i think this is the opposite like well i don't i don't i think that the movie that's more well known that has like a lower score on like rotten tomatoes is one that i enjoyed more mm-hmm. Um, and it's much less grounded, I think, but is Stoker. Oh, I've yeah, never seen Stoker. it. Never seen it no. Like, when I was watching this, I was thinking of Stoker, which is essentially about, a, it's a very similar thing. It's like a young girl experiences a less traumatic, but a kind of a traumatic series of events when she's young. And then 
it's kind of like the making of a serial killer, sort of. And um, it's done, fuck, what's his name? Korean filmmaker. Totally brain farting. Uh, Bong Hu? I'll, I'll look it up in a minute. But anyway. Is the guy who what, did the host? No. Uh, no, I believe it's, uh, oh, maybe it is. Whatever, I'll, I will look it up. But Stoker. <laughs> I think it is, yeah. yeah it's Kim, it Kim yes. Bong-Hu or Kim yeah. Park? Um, Park, 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 yeah, Park, yeah. sorry. Park Chan-Wook? No, yes. that's not. No, yes. Park Chan-Wook? Okay, yeah. maybe it is, yeah, okay. Yeah. The same guy did um, so, Old Boy. Yeah. Yes, okay. It's, it's, uh, I and I enjoyed that movie. It was creepy, but it's like, it's basically, uh, I mean, we'll probably, we'll move on to the, the, the you gotta love it in a minute. Just because <laughs> we're, we're really focusing. But like, it's about like, a girl's father dies in a car accident and then this uncle that she's never really met appears at the house and she's already she's got a mother that's very she's a very unsettling character as well played by Nicole Kidman and uh, this super sort of suave uncle she's never met shows up and slowly she comes to realize basically that he um, I mean I'm not going to spoil it there's some big reveals but he he himself is a killer that's not a spoiler really but like and he kind of teaches her Almost like he's kind of shaping her in his image, kind Tutoring of. her, to some but yeah. it's I don't know. It's like more than that. Like she didn't need his help. Basically, you kind of are you're watching the movie and you're like, oh, like she's already kind of she's like a, she's she's basically and it it had a lot of really similar creepy, you know, like incestuous, like weird. It's just it's very it's also very unsettling. But when I was watching mm -hmm. this, there was like a lot of parallels this again this just felt more grounded and i think also the way that was filmed like black and white like it just definitely had a different feel but i think there are a lot of similarities to the movies yeah, uh, yeah for yeah. sure I haven't seen um, that in a while. i'd love to check it out yeah it's thanks for the recommendation uh, I, I love that director i just uh yeah yeah it's um, it's uh it's interesting it's an interesting one uh can i just point out one more thing before we move on absolutely yeah. so in this in this film there's also a genre of portuguese music called fado which mm. like never gets any play in in film really that I know of. Interesting. Uh, is it yeah. like the what she's it's like Portuguese singing? blues? It's um you know she, there's that dance scene and she's dancing for her dead father. Yeah. So they're playing it there and then it closes out the film. It, yeah. it are they also playing it when she's dancing with her dad? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, he hasn't uh, died by that point, right? Well, no, because there's yeah, there's a, a scene where she's dancing and his yes, dead and body's she's there, standing on his feet. But yeah, there's yes. a, there's that one too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, uh, I mean, I would say that it's worth a watch, but I would only, it's the type of movie that I would only recommend to s specific people. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't say oh, this is, certainly, yeah. it's not this a, is a movie that, it's uh, not a crowd pleaser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not one everyone should watch. Yeah. Not, not for some beers and watch uh, The Eyes of My Mother, you know? Yeah. Just like hang out, just check <laughs> it out. If, if you like <laughs> movies as an art form, I would say that yeah, this it, is, so for those It definitely has like an art house horror. It's in that same, like, we, like, Alan recommended The Witch or oh, yeah. It Follows or uh, see, you know, like, like see, all these other films that have like an art sort of bent to them. I loved It Follows. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was, I loved that movie. It was great. Yeah. And you know, it has some like weird stuff, but it just like well, a disturbing concept. And speaking I think, of a disturbing, great movie that I loved. <laughs> Good. Oh, great. <laughs> I think it's time we start talking about, uh, why am I drawing a blank? No. Fateful Findings? Yeah. Another Fateful independent findings. film. Another independent film that's highly disturbing well, in a very different way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I don't even know how to synopsize this movie because I have no idea what even happens <laughs> in this movie. And I watched it. And mm -hmm. I watched it like one and a half times. Good for you. So, Good for wow. you. Yeah. I, I, just because I was like, maybe I'm 
like there's some parts that I missed or I wasn't really paying attention. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the situation was, but as far as I can tell, again, now cor- correct me, and I feel like I'm going to need a lot of correction. This movie is about a writer mm-hmm. who is having a... Played by Neil Breen. Yes. Who... who the director, writer... <laughs> Editor. Editor, locations, producer? producer, locations manager, makeup artist, editor. Uh, what else have I? Cinematographer, maybe? No, not cinematographer. But, yeah. He he is a, a writer slash computer scientist. A writer of novels. Yes. Slash computer scientist. Make sure you emphasize novels that he's that, that kind um, of writer. Computer hacker. Well, but he says that he, well, hey. he, he studied <laughs> in computer science or something. Yeah. Okay. All right. But um, he writes novels now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a schmuck. Yeah, a best-selling novel. He's in a failing marriage with a uh, drug addict of a wife. Uh, has a best prescription friend, drugs. Yes, who has a best friend who is seemingly an alcoholic, also in a failing marriage uh, with a child, and uh, a long-lost love that is grown or that like spawns over a magic mushroom. Uh, I guess I think there were. Uh, Companions before they met the mushroom, they, they were they were friends before the mushroom incident. Sure, but um, uh, yeah, that really solidified their bond. And he goes about uh, trying to write a novel and and sort of fix his life, and decides instead to hack uh, national and international government agencies and corporate uh, secrets right. as well. Don't forget to, the corporate to expose corporate <laughs> corruption. And I mean. That's essentially what the movie's about, I think. Uh, yeah, all, part of it. Yeah, part of it. There's also, he is a mythical... He has supernatural powers that are granted to him by... The shadow uh, being like, Being the hit. Pardon me? The cube? Uh, yeah, in part, the cube, yeah, gives him supernatural par- powers that have been get granted to him by an unreally un- knowable force that hits him with a car, essentially. There's this incident, that inciting incident. Where is that gets, what gives him the powers? Uh, it's what reminds him or re- reinvigorates his powers, I guess, possibly, and, and puts the cube back. Because you see the woman who gets out with the high heels, like the like the very large-breasted woman who with, gets with out. With no bra. With no, oh, <laughs> no... There's no bras in this movie at all, by yeah. the way. There's That's like the one of the, one of the key... Uh, aspects of every Neil Breen film but can and I, costuming Can choice. I say one thing about about that before we move on? Yeah, sure. I One of the things that I loved about this movie was like, I immediately was like, this guy is some kind of scumbag Amazing. guy who's like, I'm going to make this movie and like exploit all these women kind of. And he does, but he also doesn't. Like he's not. It's incredible how he does nudity, even incompetently. Like it's just, it's unbelievable. There's like topless scenes, but they're not really real top. The rear topless scenes. They're not frontal topless scenes. No, there's no. Like there's a, there's a, there's a, an incredible incompetence in how to actually show nudity in all of his. Like it goes halfway, but he doesn't doesn't go. There's nothing. Neil Breen's nipple, unless or is his ass, you know, that is being shown. And and I know he, like I think he goes out of his way to not expose. These women, and mm-hmm. also like you to think that. Well, I think they probably don't agree to it. They're like, yeah. you're not, you're not doing that. So like, <laughs> I, that's, this is all you're gonna get. This is I, the most you're gonna get out of me. I also, I'm, you're not paying me enough for I that. I also <laughs> think that like he'd be the type of guy to be like, yeah, I'm just gonna like, okay, and then we make out at the end of this scene, and then the next scene, oh, there's another. Then then we well, make out again, yeah. but he like doesn't do that either. He's just it, like, mm. it's still, it's, it's so still, awkward. It still kind of felt like that to me. Like it, it, it kind of, uh, it has that it, vibe, but he doesn't, it doesn't go all the way. Well, I know, but that's, that's, it seems like that's sort of like, I feel like that's part, that's an aspect of somebody who, it felt like, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is like a, 
like a fuck you movie. Like where he's like, I've been like shit on by oh. this, that, and the other thing. And like, you know, these what? are the experiences that I've had, but now I've mm-hmm. got like the money to produce something like this to, myself. To fictionalize because my like, experiences. Yeah, when you consider oh, everything about having, his character. Having like, done no research at all, I assume that he is in a, a he was in a failed marriage. That he blames his wife for. Oh, absolutely. And, and then he's completely faultless. Found a new, found a new lover. Like in in actual in real life, I feel like this happened to him. And then he found himself. a yeah, mm. found a new lover and was like, okay, well, that that wife was shit anyway. Well, she conveniently commits suicide just as he starts cheating on her. So there's absolutely no moral yeah. impropriety there. That, like you know, she's dead, so I can yeah. have a basically a new wife now. And like it's, it's, that's, that's how he justifies that, it. Yeah, and that theme is sort of repeated throughout the movie, where like he is the. He can be like a, a horrible person in the movie, but like it's done in such a way where he's like, "But I'm not really the bad guy." But you're like, "You're being pretty awful right now," you know. Like anyway, okay. What, but what did you like about this movie? The spinach eating scene. Wow, <laughs> that, that was that's got to be the best the best part of that movie. I oh my one. god, dude! Like <laughs> we've all been there, right, guys? We've all been there, right? Where we're eating just a plate of spinach. With Un- no dressing, and we place it and on a folder, <laughs> no. and just falls and like wop 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 wop. He treats and his computers like so relatable. Shit. It is, oh, you like, know what I love about the comedy? It's relatable comedy. His, his, his wife or his my, new girlfriend. <laughs> my favorite part about the whole movie is very similar to that. By the way, but before you go on, is when he when he gets angry in that one scene and he just t- he keeps takes throwing books, books no more books. books, and then grabs another one and it's just like. Uh, but by the end, yeah, he's I'm, not even throwing them. He's I'm, just like. So mad. I made, <laughs> I made a note that just said half-ass yeah. drop of his cell phone. Yeah. This movie could have been called Book Thrower, like <laughs> the, the throw, thrower. the throwing. Like it was like yeah. the, and the laptops, the broken laptops everywhere. And it's like they're never is a reoccurring they, they are never turned on. Do you ever notice yeah. that? Yeah, of course. Yeah, because yeah. they're broken. They're broken used laptops. But, but he's typing he's, on something. That yeah, just, the, it's unbelievable. He's the, typing on it like a cartoon, like character would type, like tap 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 tap. No nuance whatsoever. The, this, it's the, amazing. The that's thing, apparently how you hack. The what thing. does hitting the H key three times do? Uh, it's <laughs> hacking. It's for hacking. Okay. That's how you hack government and internationals. International. <laughs> The, the spinach, though, yeah. I, oh I legitimately felt like maybe this is just me. This is maybe like wishful thinking. But so after, you know, she's like just leaning, sitting against the wall, watching him eat this plate of undressed spinach. And then he like puts it down with after eating like three leaves or whatever. Precariously. Precariously. It, it falls yeah. over. And then like she kind of smiles. But then there's this like... <laughs> This, yeah. Like, yeah. Close up. This close up of his face. Unreal. It's, but it's it's unbelievable. But the other thing about it is like, I I almost felt like he was in on it in that moment. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I know. I, don't I know, know how a, much. I know we'd like to give it like this level of oh, that maybe he's it, conscious of this, and this could be like the greatest Rick Roll of film <laughs> history ever. That Neil Breen is pulling on the entire yeah. film community. But yeah. I truly believe this is. A hundred percent. Every aspect of Neil Brain's filmmaking is sincere. Yeah. So, and that's what makes it so brutally, brutally hilarious and <laughs> amazing to see this vanity piece. He obviously of this went to the Tommy Wiseau school of film. I think the, Tommy makes Tommy Wiseau look incredibly competent, and the people around like at least Tommy Wiseau, Tommy Wiseau had a crew. And he yeah, shot yeah. on like you know like a, like with proper like uh, understandable, intelligible like scenes of to some degree that have like some. You know, well, whether they're faulty in terms of their performance or whatever, but like you understand, there's like a concept of like 
how to make a movie. To, yeah. Whereas this film here, I mean, there's some really no long concept. shots they, that Neil are. Green has no concept of the following aspects of filmmaking. Plot structure, characterization, screenwriting, editing, yes. lighting, yes. casting, yes. camera movement, <laughs> framing, art direction, sound design, makeup, props, continuity, locations, <laughs> costuming, dialogue delivery, visual effects, pacing, theme, and of course direction. Like these are the things, like it is almost as if an alien came down to Earth, spent a day walking around a mall and said, I know how to make a movie about these human things now. Oh, really? Like, there's no concept of any sort of how human beings talk to each other in any sort of the, the line deliveries where it's like, he's dead. You killed him. <laughs> like, this is her, his daughter that <laughs> just witnessed a murder. Or it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like insane. <laughs> And like then just true. decides to go over to Neil Breen's house and <laughs> get topless and, and, and pull a Lolita. And he's like, I was getting you, like a yeah. fast times at oh, absolutely, high, yeah. like vibe there. I thought uh, that was going to happen. Absolutely. But that was it another example. so awkward. It's that was an, so uncomfortable. Yeah, it was another example of how that didn't really like fit in, but like him like... There's like this sex object. Yeah, That's there's like this, this like titillating like... There's like, oh yeah, but like... And then he's just like, you... You can't do this. And you have like, to leave. <laughs> and she's just like you looking at him. You have to leave. I told face. you. And it's like I told he, you. He, he, he told you a thousand times. He, I'm not available. Okay? Yeah, exactly. And it's I know I'm of, so dead sexy. You can't resist. It's that's, coming over here to seduce me. It, but oh yeah. Very, well, my mom killed my dad. Peace. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's how. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, she, and he's like, you have to go to the cops. Yeah. He's like, he's like, no, no, it's not my responsibility. You have to go to the police and tell I them about this. I can't believe he'd kill himself. Oh, I can't believe you committed suicide. I can't believe you committed suicide. <laughs> like, like it's so obnoxious. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay. it's amazing. But, but here's yeah. the thing, though. I this isn't like a you know the the premise. What fi yeah. finding things to love. Well, we just talked about a lot of stuff that clearly we enjoyed. At least it's so entertaining. We, we, I mean, it was we were entertained so amazing by. And yeah. But like weirdly, I did feel like there was this mishmash of like I was like, there's a lot of really. Like, there's a lot of topics that he touches on, but like, I was like writing to, I was like, oh, like, remarkably, this film seems to touch on some serious issues, you know, like addiction, substance like abuse, substance abuse, like pill push, like like doctors, like you know, over prescribing, all the like the relationship stuff in a different universe where like there was like the underlying pressures, you know, like I was yeah. like, oh, it's like it's not done in a way that's believable at all, but like, and then even the whole. The like the government secrets, right? Mm -hmm. The national and corporate secrets, the corporate secrets. Don't forget the corporate secrets. But then at the end, when they're all just like, I mean, well, that was what really a finale! Dark. Yeah. What nothing, a finale! Nothing marks like a the good end movie, of the Godfather, like where Michael suicide. Corleone kills off all of his enemies yeah. in the the baptism scene at the end of yeah. Godfather. It's like it's unbelievable. This montage of deaths that yeah. just he wipes away all of his enemies. Everything is wiped clean. Public. Suicides, yeah. Public suicides to a grand applause. To yeah. it's like it's like we the, the same applause. We have been betraying the government and lying to the people. Applause, yeah. And that, yeah, and then it's like, like shoots the himself at the. Public. I have secrets to tell you, deep disturbing secrets. Yeah, go Neil Breen. <laughs> yeah. so it's like what the fuck. My my one problem with the movie oh. 
is who kills the, the gunman in I the bushes? What's part of his psychic powers that allows him to teleport also allows him to pull like a magneto where he can stop the bullet and throw it back into the assassin and kill him. He, like there's like a shot of a cutaway because there's such incompetence with like shot reverse shot in this movie. Yeah. It's very hard to discern, but basically I think it's implied that his he sees the uh, the sniper and like basically kills the sniper with his mind and like shoots the bullet back into him, which is I, I think uh, my only uh, explanation ha- for it. Where did I think you guys? The, oh, or that, or the shooter on the grassy knoll. I don't know, guys. <laughs> like, there's conspiracy <laughs> theories. Let's entertain them. But like, there's. It's amazing how the Vanity Project is such as this goes to such a level of like a messian, messianic level, where yeah. he is literally the savior of all humanity. He is not mm. just a great husband. He's not just a great friend. He's yeah. not just a compassionate, amazing person in his eyes. Uh, he is literally the savior of the entire human race and is trying to like steer us into the light and out of the darkness. And I think that's just the greatest, most insane, amazing thing to see a human being like make a piece of art that is so completely unapologetically un like un, it's it's inspiring to a degree yeah. to have that confidence because we have like a messiah complex. You think? Well, to some degree, yeah, maybe he does. I don't know. When I mean, he wants to. He wants. He's actually. Yeah, his hands are upturned. Yeah, yeah, like like a stigmata. Noticed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, absolutely, and he disappears. He like he's like he has supernatural powers yeah, yeah, yeah. where he can like appear and disappear. Face through shit. the back of uh, like trailers that you would like keep your band gear in or yeah, yeah. <laughs> well that's a, that's a super secret government <laughs> super secret government super, yeah. super, super, there's so many guys there's so many things we can go deep dive in but the thing that I think that you we should all take away from this is that it's it is inspiring in a way because even though he has absolutely no skill whatsoever in how to construct a narrative in any sort of comprehensible way it, it this movie represents the truly epitome of what we can classify as paracinema or trash film or so bad as good or outsider art more specifically and then it's, it belongs to the pantheon of bad movies like The Room Birdemic Santa Claus Co- Conquers the Martians and Plan 9 from Outer Space you know like Ed Wood territory okay you're only mentioning like terrible directors but I feel like this is the movie David Lynch would make if he had brain no, damage no talent incredible brain damage and like half the intellect oh absolutely yeah, like yeah. I wrote this if David Lynch suffered severe brain damage and directed American Beauty I theorize <laughs> this is what Neil Breen would create like Scarlett Johansson from Under the Skin he doesn't understand how human interaction works but but truly this gets to the center of what I'm trying to make the point of what makes this amazing and inspiring is that it's unwittingly and I understand it's not a conscious decision but it is unwittingly transgressive and a subversion of the mainstream standards of narrative filmmaking of what we're expecting out of a film and it's surprising and entertaining because of all these bizarre right turns that this char- that this actor makes or this this director makes in the construction actor, director, of the film actor director writer actor director it's it's so broken it's fascinating he finances as an art piece. his own films as well entirely right pardon me oh, uh, well right now film? he's going for an Indiegogo uh, GoFundMe campaign looking to fund $50,000 to find I don't know how people are going to invest in this and get any sort of money back out of this like that's usually what happens when you have an investor <laughs> they're ex- they don't just like donate like a charity they expect money back on return on investment but apparently he's just going for a uh, go. But yes, they have all been self-funded. It's charity, essentially. It's essentially a charity. Right. But I mean, like, if hey, if you want to put your entertainment dollar towards a new, new Neil Breen film, I mean, that's a better than, you know, I don't know, like you a can lot spend of your other money bullshit. On worse things, you right? can spend your money on fucking, like, Transformers 5, or you could yeah. put $5 towards the new <laughs> Neil Breen film, which will be just infinitely more entertaining well, and fascinating to so watch. So that's the thing about this, okay? Like, as bad as it is, it is infinitely more entertaining and more watchable than the worst movies that we've seen. Like, I would 
much rather yeah. watch I, another Neil Breen movie than another Paul Blart movie. Oh, well, certainly. See, the other mm. thing is is funny. Is like one of the reasons we started this is because I am not. I mean, it's interesting you pick these two movies because for me, without knowing me, like <laughs> both indie filmmakers. When when we when we started when we started this podcast, it was like, oh, Andrew doesn't like watching movies, movies that are that are that are like so bad that they're good. Like I just don't. For me, mm-hmm. just again, you don't it's like just watching like, things with a certain sense of irony or like mockery. Well, I, yeah, I just like maybe legit, to like hard, hard ticket to Hawaii. Or it's just a waste and, of your time. I did oh, watch man, that. That's why I we did a double Ooh. feature with that and uh, oh, what was the fucking his other movie, right? It was Hard Ticket to Hawaii and the one with the fucking Miami Connection. Or yeah, whatever? Miami oh, Connection. Oh, Miami Connection is amazing. Uh, and that was fun. That, but I, you know, it was like a night. My buddy had like uh, this, like he and his wife had this like hotel room, and they were like, "Yo, just like come over, we're gonna watch like stupid movies." But it just had never been something that I had like. I didn't really do it when I was a kid. I didn't really. It wasn't like a an experience I really bonded with anybody over for the most part. But so these two movies were like the two types of movies that I'm like not usually. But this movie. I could see the appeal, like w- watching it with you. I think the other thing is a lot of the time, you know, I get you would have to be in a group, like it, you, the you, system you, yeah, like just yeah. because, like we, you know, you can look at somebody and just be like, "What the fuck did I what is just happening yeah. right now? Like, what <laughs> yeah. is happening?" That you makes know? it more enjoyable for sure. Yeah, yeah. because but I did. I watched this movie alone last night in bed on my iPad. <laughs> I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I see. We watched like the first half of it, and then uh, but you need someone to, in a way, sometimes. Like I've seen them all by myself as well, but they are great as like a communal experience, especially for people who haven't seen it. Like just like. Yeah am I lost as as much as you like there's like this like you understand that there's no connection being made mm-hmm. and like am I crazy or is this movie fucking insane yes yeah. the movie's insane you're not crazy your sanity so, yes. is, is assured so you have this kind of like life life preserver that another person can be you know and what? I think that's amazing that's an amazing communal cinematic experience that we're missing in so many fucking experiences yeah. that we're not having these days when we're just viewing stuff all by ourselves isolated yeah, it's true we're not I mean you know you can say what you will about how the room is developed into this kind kind of like you know it was kind of like this fun kind of interaction but then like sort of it's kind of gotten twisted a little bit i don't mm. know you some people are really put off by how now, the now there's like of, an academy you know academy award fodder documentary movie about yeah the, the, the making disaster of artists. the room yeah, yeah, yeah like it's true. like they, i mean that in a way is like an overrated film i'm i'm, I'm really considering using that as an overrated film because it is so the disaster, disaster artist? no no the, the room oh, because the room. it's become it's hit such a fucking huge zeitgeist where everybody sort of quintessentially calls that like the citizen kane of like bad movies we've you know? seen some bad shit like, though but i think it's because <laughs> i mean for, i think i think neil breen's faithful fine is just, like basically the godfather of bad movies that's in my opinion if, if citizen kane is the room, then the, this clearly yeah. is the Godfather. <laughs> Shot composition alone makes it worse than the room. I oh, there's no, it's no sense of composition yeah. or continuity or any sort what, of what's like. What's with all the below the waist shots? Is he yeah. obsessed uh, with legs? Well, okay. Or? Well, I think I, I like the first half of the movie with all the shots of of just like faces in the sky. Yeah, because those are just obviously pickups of people randomly. Like, I saw it. I saw it happen. I'm a witness. Like, like that guy, like clearly it was like some guy on the street is like, we'll just shoot this like into the sky and you won't have any sort of like background reference to it. I can throw that in whatever. Right. So clearly there's a level of efficiency and that's what I admire about the film. This guy does not get discouraged. This guy doesn't ever have a fucking moment. It's like the guy like Patton Oswalt's bit on the guy who wrote Deathbed. Have you guys ever heard that bit? No. Where the guy's like wrote Deathbed. He just fucking, he just had no level of self-consciousness about how bad it was at any level. There was no yeah. level of like doubt or any level of like, of like. Like, 
any sort of like self censorship yeah. at all in this movie, and I admire that. I truly do because I look at when I try to make a piece of film or a, a, an artwork, I'm like, okay, this is gonna go in the fucking world, and people are gonna judge me for it, and they're gonna make fun of it, they're gonna mock me, and I'm gonna feel yeah. like shit, and then and I don't even do it, and then yeah. I don't even it doesn't even get off the fucking drawing board because I know that it's not gonna be the the perfect idea of what I want it to be. But right. people like Neil totally. Green have the motivation, and they have the the fucking complete lack of self consciousness yeah. that I that truly admire. Is and not they there. just don't fucking have that switch at all. Like, yeah. well, are people laughing at this? Like they don't they don't care. They're like, well, it's successful. People are watching it. That's all that I care about. Yeah. As long as eyes are on the screen, that's all I care about. It's, and it's, it doesn't matter what context it's in. It's like I the, think that's truly amazing. Yeah. It's like the part from Hot Rod where they where his brother films him doing all the stunts and then they show it at the theater and everybody's like laughing at him. But instead of him realizing that everybody's laughing at him, him just being completely oblivious and thinking that everybody thinks it's awesome. awesome. <laughs> the people yeah, accept like, it on that level. That, yeah, the, the scene intention. in that movie, it's supposed to make you, you know, like you feel bad for him because he gets like really upset. But like, I could just picture this guy screening this movie mm-hmm. and people that are fans of Neil Breen films for the reasons that we have listed going yeah. in droves and like seeing this like film premiere and him just being like, they yeah. get it. They get but, it. But uh, yeah. he must. On some level, know what he's doing. He knows that he's being mocked, but he's like, "This is not my intention." Like he's gone on many of like like interviews. Like this is not a midnight movie. This is not like a cult movie. I'm trying to make very specific statements about the problems yeah. in our government and the problems in like. I love how like he scor- sort of skirts both paranoia viewpoints of like left and right, where it's like there's like a deep. Like a like a paranoia about the government being incompetent, which is like the general complaint about like right wing people are like the government is corrupt and it's, yeah. it's 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 incompetent, right? But then also like the left kind of conspiracy theories about like uh, like corporations controlling the world and influencing. Like he's having it both ways. It's so brilliant. There's so such a vagueness to the paranoia that you could be like a right winger, an ultra right winger, or an ultra left leaning person and still be like, yeah, man, he's got it. He's got his. He knows it. There's a fucking Illuminati that's controlling everything. That's like I love how so just. Funny. So perfect a gem of uh, the idea of it is how simplistic and stupid and vague it is, and yet it has this incredible wide appeal. And you I think can, it's you like, can it's apply your heart. own, yeah, yeah. You can <laughs> apply your own fucking viewpoint to like, it, depending on whatever it is. I just read uh, an interview with uh, Stephen Colbert in the Judd Apatow book. Yeah, and he was talking about like how, but like when you actually talk to people who are on various, you know, like far right people on the political spectrum, obviously. There was a point in your show, like in the Colbert Report, where like politicians di- were they they didn't want to be on your show because they got it, like they understood what was happening. They were being mocked. They're yeah. being mocked, but it turns out that they had done like a, a survey, and people who were there, were people who were he had fans that were on all portions of the political spectrum because there was people that were like left leaning that were like, oh, I get it. He's like making fun of people on the right wing. But then there were people on the right wing that thought that he was, that it was so meta that he was like a right wing person that was making fun of a left wing person making fun of a right wing person. And like he was so, his mind was so blown by that that he was like, so I just didn't even want to like, I don't want to tell people that they're wrong because that's my goal. I want to speak to like, if everybody is watching, then that's getting a message out of whatever. Yeah, that's like perfect. And it was, it, that blew my mind because in my head, it's just so stark for me. I'm like, there's got to be just so many people who are like diametrically opposed to my political beliefs that just fucking hate this guy. But then reading that, I was like, that's crazy that he's been able to like, anyway, it's just funny. It's like th- yeah. this movie, like it, it, tra- it, it transcends it's politics. It's crazy. insane. Yeah. And it's, crazy. I love. it's so, so surprising. And I love this movie shakes up the audience. Like it shakes up 
what your expectations are in every fucking shot. You don't know what to expect. You're always on your toes. You can deconstruct this scene by scene. One of my favorite scenes that I feel like would be underrated Mm -hmm. uh, as far as scenes in this movie go is is right after uh, his new girlfriend or whatever has been kidnapped and he's on the phone thinking that he's talking to her or leaving her a voicemail, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, okay... I'm right by the backyard gate. I'm gonna open the gate now. But like, and your purse, who does that? Is on the ground. Why is he calling her if he's just getting home and explaining everything that he's doing? He's just like, and here is a note. Okay, I think I know where you are. I'm gonna come get you. Like, who are you talking to? Worst kidnapper ever leaves the fucking address of where he's kidnapping the person on a fucking business card. She pulled it out of his pocket. But also in the struggle. But also also But who has that on them? (laughs) That that to me also that sequence contained the most noticeable continuity error where like he was he was like standing on like the right side of the screen and like he crouched down and I was like, okay, there's the purse on the ground. And he was like clearly on, still on mm-hmm. the right side and the note was on the left and he was like on the phone. And then like in the next, when he finally notices the note and picks it up, somebody's hand, like their right hand from oh, yeah. the left side of the screen. There's breaking picks up, up the, the 180 axis. And I was just like, I saw that happen and it was so, and the lighting was even different. It's oh, like he filmed, he filmed the first part at like 10 a.m. And then the, that part was Shadows like 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. in the afternoon the in the summer. And I was just like, whoa, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, what? It's like, but isn't that jarring? Isn't that amazing? Like, like no concept of like the 180 rule with like left, yeah. right, right, left action. No concept of like continuity between shots. No concept of the, what they call the diegetic space of where people are yeah. moving through. Like, yeah. You know, like no concept of yeah. the sound effects are, are insane. Like when they're at the, the pool party at his house, oh, where yeah. it's like it sounds like there's a there's fucking a crowd. Th- like a crowd of like a fucking amusement park <laughs> that's there, and there's like five people. Like no it, concept. As soon of as any somebody of this, starts talking, yeah, all no of hushes. The, all, it all goes there's like no sound <laughs> whatsoever. And then as soon as they stop talking, it's like full blast. Yeah, again. it's, <laughs> yeah, it's no insane. The diegetic, the diet narrative diegesis is broken so many times. <laughs> like it's it's insane. It's it's so refreshing in a way because. It's like again, like it's like you've never seen anything quite like this. There's, there's so much d- dislike about this movie that you end up liking all of it. It's I mean, it is the epitome of so bad that it's good. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. You guys haven't seen. The guys have to go through the rest of Neil Breen's canon. Trust I sent me. This, I sent it just this, gets better. I sent this movie to my sister, and I was just like, "Godspeed!" Like what? <laughs> and then she wrote back, like almost immediately. She's like. Uh, are you guys doing I am here next or whatever? What isn't it? One of yeah, the other. Yeah, I am. I am here. Dot dot dot, 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 dot. Four dots. Not now? like a now. <laughs> now. I am here. Dot 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 dot. Now. So clearly, my sister is like in on that. She's like hip to Neil Breen. I didn't know what was going yeah. on. I don't like, get on the train. Get damn. on the bandwagon here, guys. Should we? Uh, should we move on to Recos though? Should we? Yeah. I just feel. I'm just. <laughs> we could. We could talk about we this for so. We could go scene. for so long. You know. Well, okay. Just really quick around the table. What is what is the one thing that you love most about this film, and then we'll go into recommendations. I I I do. I gotta agree that the, there was like a, a a sincerity of like effort in that, even though even though the, he clearly didn't understand or have experience maybe with these all of these aspects of filmmaking he was just like fuck every it. aspect of filmmaking <laughs> every <laughs> he was aspect. just like i'm gonna do it and even though to me it was derailed by a, a sort of creep 
on a creepy level exploitative weird yeah just creepo. like you know like the the how women were per- like there's some stuff in there oh, that there's was leering shots of and again so no obvious. bras no bras so obvious Lots of side boob yeah, yeah but again Even, like it's not satisfying nudity it's like an unsatisfying <laughs> semi yourself, well, okay. <laughs> you're a real side move fetishist, I guess. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it's even it's, incompetent in the nudity. Like, it's I amazing. honestly Googled, were the actors in this film Me porn too. actors? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, but one I, of them, one of them, one they, of them they is, all have credits. Uh, they all have credits. That's, that's what you Googled? Like, were the actors it, in this film porn actors? Yeah. Lee, okay. The woman who plays Lee, uh, her name is, uh, oh, sorry. Wrong picture. Wrong. Lee, uh, Jennifer Autry is a corporate spo- like spokesperson. Um, Weird uh, that she would be in a film that's a like anti corp anyway go uh, on whatever i mean hey a job's a job man gig's a gig um <laughs> his wife emily is a model from L- L- libya and um the the fr- his wife's uh, the friend of his fr- wife jim amy yeah. she is a bartender at uh, coyote ugly in las vegas so and like you know mm. new breen lives in the sort of the southeast los like los angeles like nevada kind yeah. of area so i'm sure he went to a bar this coyote ugly bar i was like that girl's hot i'm going to put her in my movie i've been in coyote giant ugly breasts. and it's just like it's <laughs> like you can just see easily see connecting the dots and it's, it's just Unbelievable yeah. stand. Like this girl who played Ali, Jim's daughter, his daughter is just like some girl who just wanted to be in a movie and just like yeah. had no acting ability whatsoever. It's, it's, it's so amazing. But yeah, no, that's I honestly like there's there's something almost like a if it again, if it weren't for this creepiness, there's like a, a a naive, like an innocent, just like, I'm gonna fucking make a movie. I'm just gonna do Fuck it. Film history. I'm yeah, doing it. I'm just doing it and like fucking whatever I've got shit to say and I'm and I'm making it happen. And like, yeah, man. All right, cool. And like when the movie was over, I was just I kind of you know, I was just like this yeah. is what happens. This you is what it. happens when, when we're talking about the de- democratization. We're talking about the democratization of filmmaking through yeah. digital film, right? Yeah. We're talking about everybody now can make a movie. This is what we get. We're going to get weird fucking corners of the world where people are going to bring the weirdest viewpoints and the weirdest shit that imaginable, and it's going to be off the wall. But these people are doing it, and these people have the ability and means to do it. If with like a shoestring budget, which literally cost nothing, like you know, like I, I can imagine the budget of this film would be maybe three hundred dollars at most. Totally, and it's you could you could you could make similar like the internet and the age of compute, like everything, music. Like there's a lot of really really bad, barely listenable, like you know, bedroom production music happening. But then for every like. 400 of those you get like one kid that is just changes you know like oh yeah now i'm producing for like every major hip-hop star ever because i just fucking bought like a you know i've got like a meaty it's just crazy like they can do shit that used to be you'd need like 14 people and a fucking rent like yeah it's insane so it's (laughs) it's yeah it's it's uplifting it is inspiring to me honestly totally and uh and you what's your love uh, I guess my takeaway would be like the, the Lynch references, whether they're yeah. intentional in or the not. In the box, in the garbage room. Oh, yeah. oh, oh my God! Oh question, my that opening question. shot is—it's like, basically what's like with the skull, so David Lynch. What's with the what's oh, with that's the, a prop the that he's used? It's a prop that he's used in many films, and it's to create an atmosphere of doom. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it just it just turns and follows them, that, and I was like, oh been fuck, pro- some shit's gonna come. But like, <laughs> and then you see it later, but it almost feels like an accident. Like it's in the background. Who, and you're the like, bleeding ghost. Oh, I don't remember seeing it. Again. The bleeding ghost. That's they, him. I think that's him, like teleporting. Field, and that's like a personification. It, okay. And it's just in the background. It's oh, like okay. they just yeah. filmed those scenes right. on the same day. Probably. But like he didn't real because it's it it almost it's like not 
it's in between. It's not like just misplaced enough to be like, oh, people notice this on a second watch through, <laughs> but it's also not central enough to be like, I want people to notice this. Okay. It just kind of seems amazing. like it's just there. Yeah, I missed it's it weird. the second time around. But so, yeah, in the in the black room, it's like it's like fucking Mulholland Drive, like the blue yeah, box. Totally. Like oh, it's yeah. fucking insane. Yeah. yeah, like like clearly and the the that kind of like atmospheric hum. Yeah, absolutely. Like the the, the, the yeah the yeah. industrial kind of sound industrial, effects and stuff. Yeah. But then like also, like there's also like like American Beauty. Like there's like that like that light piano where he's like, I love you still, and they're having that horrible horrible sex scene with the laptops falling and throwing the paper in the air. <laughs> oh my most god, that was Sex scene, <laughs> the most awkward sex just, scene. Like, there, no passion. Yeah, I felt like he was oh, gonna they break. Just keep pushing stuff. On the ground, Unbelievable. Yeah. I felt like he was gonna break there. It looked like he was gonna laugh. Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was so insane. It was so unpassionate. It's just like a perfunctory <laughs> just like we need to throw things in the air because that's what people in love do they throw things in the air because the they're carefree in the throes of passion they just awkwardly throw things let in the air let me take five minutes to clear <laughs> yeah. this desk off like, like, like <laughs> they don't understand like the concept like it's a spur of the moment like passionate violent thing it's like no let me drop this down delicately each one one at a time because you know I mean I don't want to really break these things I gotta use them in the next scene so like you love I love how there's such a consciousness of that you know like there's it always uh. it always insists itself in into each scene and but again yeah I mean I, I the one thing that I loved about this is that like I could try for 20 years to make movies and they would it wouldn't be this movie like it would be impossible it I feel like of like a tornado turning a fucking junk pile into a fucking Mercedes Benz it's like that metaphor you know I mean it's yeah. like it's like a one in a trillion billion yeah it's possibility just, I, I don't understand because like I could easily make a bad movie but it wouldn't be but you'd be Enjoyable conscious of it. Like you'd be conscious yeah, of it. It's hard, it's hard to like... Yeah, and that's when, the, that's when the reality shatters. And as soon as you start winking to the audience and saying, oh, I'm actually better than this. I'm just pretending. I'm low-balling it mm -hmm. here. That's when you have disdain for your audience. And mm -hmm. that's when you... That's when you get the, like a Sharknado or something. Oh, yeah. All the fucking bullshit, fake, like bad movies like you get from Asylum, like that studio that produces like... They're kind of like seen as like the Roger Corman studios of the now age. But that's all marketing bullshit hype. And it's, it's garbage. It's very self-conscious very very cynical filmmaking whereas this movie is a miracle it's a miracle that it exists it's a magical day guys it's a magical day when you see a Neil Breen film and that's honestly like I sincerely truly find it as a fascinating portrait of uh, an, a portrait of an artist in a way but with no art who has absolutely zero artistic ability yeah. it's, it's a fucking window into a mind that I understand they're trying to self-aggrandize themselves and put forward these, these philosophies and these ideas of what they believe that is wrong in the world but they're doing it in such an insanely bad way it's so fascinating to watch this, this three-legged dog this car wreck in front of you and it's so amazingly inspiring that this guy actually did it yeah. I can't even get out the door to make a film this guy has made fucking almost five films now he's in his process of making his fifth feature length theatrical released film what I, have you done today I honestly I did my laundry today I my, did nothing my, I ate a sandwich yeah. my dream is, Neil is, is making it happen guys yeah. <laughs> my dream is to just wake up one day and find out this whole thing was like an exit through the gift shop-esque it's uh, not. It's I, not. It, that. I know. I know. It's, that would be disappointing. It's not though. a put on. Yeah. You, do you think so? I, it would be it's disappointing not. for the reasons Joe stated. Yeah. Maybe I've seen interviews, but like you, <laughs> these movies are still made. I had like, to research <laughs> all the people that are involved in this. These people yeah. are real people. They're not actors. They have like weird outside, like sort of like normal, you know, everyday yeah. lives. Like this is not like a like a. It's not like these people don't exist. These people have a very obvious. Like it's really hard to accept because you just. 
every single creative choice in the movie is the wrong one and it's like almost you have to believe that it's a conscious mind deciding that but it's not and it's a miracle that that happened it really is I'm really happy you guys enjoyed this film by the way because I thought literally wrong crowd you show this movie to somebody and they're like I'm never talking to you again you've wasted 90 minutes of my life you've wasted 90 minutes of my life go fuck yourself I could have been doing something else way more productive I could have been talking to my parents you know I could have been doing something telling them I love them you know like I could have been doing something way more important to my life than yeah. watching this fucking movie. This is going to sound bizarre, but I feel like this movie, it's almost like a uh, a Watchmen type situation where <laughs> if you... I, I mean, I feel like the, the movie The Watchmen came out too soon because right now we're in the middle of superhero oh. fatigue and it would have been the perfect sure. time. But at that point, mm-hmm. superheroes were still new and shiny and like people didn't weren't really in on the on the whole joke. And I think that like... This movie, you have to be somebody who has seen a lot of movies to watch this movie and appreciate it. Because if you haven't, you like, yeah. you, it would feel like a waste of time because sure. you don't. I mean, to understand what makes this so amazing and how all the concepts of movie making we're, are broken, you have to understand what they are yeah, to begin. With. It breaks. It we're, breaks you up. We we've learned a lot about ourselves, but we've learned a lot doing this show because like. One thing that's interesting, I mean, the obvious thing is going into something that is we're being told is bad and looking for things that are good in it is something that's spilled. It like spills over. It's like gives a weirdly if you're almost like, wow, if people just did this about like everything, it's a very like, you know, like very you're positive. like, Absolutely. you're just like, oh, like, I don't want to do this we're thing at work. We're sifting through but, the shit here. Yeah. We're like, but like the nuggets are good. Totally. But also like. I have seen shit that I would have never watched otherwise. So much of it. So much. Like, both Hidden Gems and You Gotta Love It. And, like, it's it. in some ways it's tainted my... I feel like it's poisoned my mind because I can see movies that are I know are object... Like, I know they're terrible, but, like, still be like, ah, you know, yeah, like, that's that, okay. that is okay. Yeah. But I, it's weird. Like, it just... Yeah. It makes you more I, lenient. Yeah, and it like, makes you more lenient and compassionate towards. Because again, like I said, like I, this film is a miracle, but really every film is a miracle when you think mm-hmm. about. It. Like if you've ever spent a single day on set when a movie is being made, it's fucking insane that they get finished. It's, it's, it's insane crazy. with so many moving parts. It is stifling. Yeah, you know, and it's, it, it's, it's pretty it's unbelievable. Insane. Like yeah. even the like a stupid idiotic movie like Transformers Five. There's so many people who put their best craft work into that movie that yeah. we're not just phoning it in like as yeah. much as a horribly directed monster of a film that it is you so know like whoever's doing their like volumetric shit the <sighs> algorithms for so any much. of the cg you there's might be so like much. there's so much cg but you're like yeah but it's done look at the fucking models though yeah. like how it's unbelievable that transformer should probably only have like 50 parts and look like they did in the 80s but instead it's got like yeah like 40,000 like there's like the eye has got each eye each pupil has got like 400 moving parts you're like what it's just like anyway that gives you a level of appreciation for it even for like this the worst thing so I think that's a really important thing and uh, that's that's a it's an important thing to look at things with a critical eye like that yeah oh yeah we I'm not gonna go on that tangent but I I could not agree more I fucking totally agree i think now's the time of the show where we start talking about recommendations Recos? do you have one lined up how do you want to just go, we'll go around the- yeah i do have one lined up actually okay um this talk of like serial killer not serial killers but like psychos and whatever hunter made me really think of uh this movie that i saw a while ago and i feel like this this would go for like an underrated type of thing uh it's a movie starring kevin costner called mr brooks 
Never heard of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. You should definitely check it out. It is. So the story is that he is uh, a man with a wife and a child. And uh, but he's also a serial killer. But his the serial killer side of him manifests itself as like a separate personality talking to him that only he can see almost like a uh, uh, drop dead Fred type situation okay, but yeah, yeah. In, in serial <laughs> killer Mail, form. I love it. Um, and it is, I don't know, it, it's a pretty good, uh, I think, insight. I don't know, obviously don't know any serial killers, but I feel like it's a pretty good insight into... That you know of. Yeah, exactly. Uh, into somebody's mind because, you know, he, he's trying to be a, a normal person and all the while William Hurt is like telling him like, oh, go, like this guy's wronging you, like go fucking kill him or whatever. Like, <laughs> Wow. You know, and it's... William a, Hurt is the, yeah. the, the holy shit. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, and then Dan Cook is in it as well, <laughs> and, who who plays like an a, a, a aspiring serial killer. I don't know. It, it's it's worth it's worth checking out. Uh, but yeah, good cast, uh, good good movie. And uh, if you like psychological weird shit, it's for you. My recommendation yeah. on that last note. Uh, you guys have seen the movie Ex Machina? Yes, yes. of course. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So. Uh, Writer director of that movie has a new movie coming out starring Natalie Portman called Alex, Annihilation. What's his name? Alex. Uh, no. What's yeah, it's Alex. Uh, no, not Alex Price. It's Alex um, Garland, right? That sounds yeah, correct. Alex, uh, new movie coming out called Annihilation. I just read the book that it's based oh, on, awesome. and yeah, I yeah. didn't know that it was based on a book until I was like maybe like fifteen pages into this book. I was like, this reminds me of that trailer that I saw. <laughs> And then I just did, you know, did like a cursory Google search and I was like, oh, the, this this is literally in the trailer. That's it it on, might. It very it well yeah, might. Yeah, but I just did, yeah, glossed yeah. over it. Well, but I, the weird thing is that I bought this book in like March before I was going sure. to Japan to yeah. read in Japan, then didn't read it. I only started it like a couple. So I'd seen that I bought the book without the copy of the book doesn't say soon to be a major motion picture. It's just a book. Beautiful book. The jacket is, is gorgeously illustrated. And then. You know, all these months went by, and then this trailer came out. And I'm like, that movie looks sick. I fucking loved his last movie. Like, I'm in. Then I started reading the book, and I was like, oh, cool. This is like a nice little treat. Like, I didn't, you know. Anyway, I read the book so fast, at least the first. It's a trilogy. My recommendation is that book. Uh, it's called The Southern Reach Trilogy. The first book is called Annihilation. Uh, you probably still buy them individually, but the first book is called Annihilation, which is the name What's of the What's the name film. of the author? Uh, let me pull it up. So, is it going to be a uh, a trilogy then? Uh, I don't know. I, I the weird thing is that it could stand on its own based on the trailer, which doesn't really spoil anything. It's uh, it's it's weird. It's it's kind of hard to describe. Um, the fuck. I'm not familiar with this at all. Is it sci-fi as well? It's, yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah. really yeah. It's sci-fi. It's okay. really hard to. Um, pinned down like I can't even really um for Christ's sakes this is so difficult I wrote oh Jeff Vandermeer is the author okay and the and it's called the Southern Reach trilogy it's it's very unsettling the book actually gave me nightmares weirdly not not like weird like like it's just it's invaded your brain yeah it's written in a very weird way a lot of the themes in it seem to deal sort of like the natural world you know like our relationship with nature and like basically not necessarily just like nature coming it, it's really fucking weird but i am it made me more excited for the movie 
just know, like because I fucking like I loved Ex Machina and I was just like oh man this is gonna be great and having mm-hmm. read the book now could have gone either way I could have read the book and be like well maybe it'll still be it'll look cool but I don't know if this is it's great source material like if they make it a trilogy that's amazing I just started the second part and it's it's equally fascinating but it's like uh, it doesn't treat the reader like an idiot you know I which I always appreciate it doesn't like there's a lot of uh, it's very vague in a lot of ways but not in ways for me that like that defeat it's not like you're reading the book and you're like I wish this was explained more it adds to like the the overall vibe you're just like oh man like this is like really creeping me out and I don't understand that but it's also like the characters don't nobody understands anything it's just like you're lost and you're like uh and like I'm so tense so anyway is it more in the realm of like hard sci-fi or? uh yeah I would say yeah. so it's not like there's no um yeah it's weird like the characters don't have names like it's really there's really some interesting choices yeah there's oh. it's the i'll just give you the premise for anybody that like is like this isn't enough to go on basically it opens with this group of four women who are in this space called area x which sounds like super corny but <laughs> there it's it's, x. it's 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 yeah. like an area that from from what they describe the book is told from the perspective of the biologist there's there there's a biologist a surveyor a psycho uh, a psychologist and a anthropologist we never learn their names they're only referred to by their their occupation mm-hmm. and they're in this it's it's almost like a nature reserve is kind of how it's described this natural space that uh, there was some event that happened and nobody knows what the event was but so you're really in the dark you're just you're they're already in the space and they're just moving through it and all you know is that they are the 12th expedition and the first expedition uh, they all disappeared or something the second expedition all the people came back from the expedition but they all committed suicide the third expedition like each expedition something different happened to horrible, them horrible something thing. horrible happened to them and the 11th expedition they all everybody returned but they all see they didn't they seem like shadows of their former selves and they all within like 12 months of returning die of cancer whoa so it's science fiction that it, it is definitely a science fiction book but like you have no idea what's going on and it right out of the gates like it just throws you in the middle of it. Like, it's like, this is what's happened. These are these people. You don't even know anything about the people. You don't know anything about their background. All you know is what they do. Hmm. And they're just in this like alien space. It's not like an, it's not, you know, not alien like outer space. Maybe, I don't fucking know. I've only read the first, but it's it's just super weird. And there's like, yeah. The things, Sounds like a comic book. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, man. There's like the way that things are described is just like really creepy. Like there's just like things that are just not quite like at one point she sees uh, a dolphin um, and and the dolphin as it's like passing by like rolls and she sees its eye and the eye is described as being like a human eye. Like it's like, but not in, in great detail. It's just like she gets the feeling that it, it's like a, and she doesn't, and it makes her uncomfortable. And the whole book is just stuff like that, where it's not fully, it's just kind of like, you're not supposed to know what's going on. And I may or may not tell you the next two books. You're just going to be wow. reading this just like, uh, I really gone through the whole trilogy. I appreciate no, that. I, though. I, I read the first book in like the first, the, it's like a 500 page collected all three books in one thing, broken into three parts. Mm-hmm. And, I read the first book in like a few days. Like I just like burned through it. I was like, oh, like initially I didn't like the style it was written in because it's very stilted and like the characters speak to each other in a very robotic way. But Mm -hmm. um, 
I, cr- right I crushed it. Yeah. I just crushed it. And I was like, this book is great. I'm excited. I'm excited for the next two books. Like, I'll definitely I'm, check that out. Yeah, it's it cool. Amazing. It's cool. Uh, what about you guys? You guys got anything to recommend further from the? I mean, I know you already recommended two sure, things for yeah. us to watch, but like, what's like cool I, that you I didn't been, prepare a recommendation, but I can tell you just what be I've anything. been watching. Yeah, what you've been watching, what you've been listening I've to, been slamming been Stranger Things. Oh yeah. Two. Oh, I watched I'm on the whole thing already. I'm only. I'm only. Yeah, yeah. I'm on episode number five. Seven. Okay. I'm not. I just finished four. I just finished four. I and, also love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm really into that right now. And I, I oddly, I'm into uh, Riverdale. Yeah, I, I watch hear, that as I well. Hear, yeah, people really not generally surprised. my thing, but it, it's so beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that can the that lighting can do in it. that is it's gorgeous. They, they know how to set a mood, and it has its own distinct style for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it is at the same time also a CW show, but like, it's it. I don't know. There's something about it. It's fine. It, mm-hmm. The 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 one my my main criticism is just like I can buy a world where these kids are involved in this like weird shit, you know what I mean? Where they're like, you know, uh, I don't know, teenage sleuths or whatever, yeah. and like kind of what. But the parents on the show are just so unbelievable that it just like drives <laughs> me nuts. Yeah, the drama's a bit silly. Yeah, um, but it's also so homoerotic the the show. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Between Jughead and or are they Jug, are they characters from yeah from yeah yeah Archie? Yeah. So they yes. are called Jughead and Archie. Yeah, and yeah. Veronica same characters and in like the that? comics. Yeah, because okay. I haven't seen it, but I just yeah, here it's like a weird. He's yeah, also got the crown don't. and everything, but it's like a it's like a beanie. There's a fascinating interview with the uh, the current guy that's like running Archie Comics and has basically done all of these crossovers like Archie versus Predator Archie in the afterlife like all of these the like, zombie thing yeah, yeah I think yeah, I've seen that zombie, and, uh, like, Ar- Archie's gone in some weird spot yeah but, weird, but it's like, zomb- like oh, sorry yeah zombie Archie or like Archie and the Ghostbusters and, yeah like, oh, Archie crazy. versus Predator yeah Archie versus is, Predator is, yeah. is like genuine like you should read it it's hilarious <laughs> yeah, but it's like great. it's uh, and they talk a little bit about Riverdale um, just, just google it I don't even remember where I read it it was online but it was just really interesting because it was like they have this character and these stories that have not changed for like they haven't even changed to match really the times that much mm-hmm. like as much as you would expect in decades you know like it's right. not like it's the same core group of characters it's not like they necessarily they're like okay well on the periphery there's like a character that's not white or on the periphery there's a character that's you know uh not straight or you know whatever it may be but they haven't really and the interview is just about when this guy kind of took over he was like well we can still have that, but like, let's, it's, it's like this boilerplate and we can just do all this crazy shit with it. Yeah. Cause like everybody, even if you didn't read Archie comics as a kid, like, you know, sure. You know, the main, dynamic, you know, so you know, the, the dynamic, like, you know, the characters, Betty it's like Veronica. this, it's yeah. It's so like easy for them to just keep making the same stories that like, let's really kind of like flex. And so they've started doing all these crazy things and Riverdale is mm-hmm. like a direct result of them being like, well, you know, let's see if this works. Mm-hmm. And, People seem to really be responding to it. Yep, <laughs> I, I would agree with that. All right, and finally, do you have a recommendation for us? Yeah, I have. Um, I have this this um, movie called uh, Buzzard, okay. which is directed by this this American filmmaker. His name is uh, Joel Petroikas, and he's a really small kind of you know he he does a lot of self funded sort of independent films, and it's a really interesting I don't know just a really 
it's kind of almost like a portrait of a serial killer in the making, but he's like a small time scam artist. Like he's just a sociopath, but in a he doesn't he doesn't intentionally like hurt people or anything. Okay. But he's he, he, you can just see the machinations of how this person just uh, alienates every single other like human relationship in his Whoa. Uh, in his path and stuff. And he's a buzzard. And, like he's done this trilogy, ape buzzard and i forget the other one was called it's like based on an animal another animal and he, he uses like the same cast this one the actor joshua burridge um and also joel petroikas is actually in it as well he plays his friend who's this kind of nerdy guy uh and it's just it's a fascinating kind of like slacker kind of movie but with a really dark deeply un- disturbing undertones and uh yeah, it's just really interesting and fascinating to watch and very low budget but man it's it's directed with a really keen I I totally yeah. I uh, you, heard it's of Ape yeah or buzzard buzzard I've heard yeah, of buzzard it was so familiar and I yeah, saw it really... was being screened somewhere and I was like oh this looks fucking cool and then yeah. I just didn't see it yeah it was really <laughs> cool I just love their DIY filmmaking style and they're really really entertaining uh, the the lead performance uh, is fascinating to watch he's like just a a sociopath in the making and like he's fucked up yeah it's, yeah it's, i think i saw a, the, this the poster is a is a, a power glove a nintendo power glove with Whoa. a freddy krueger claw yeah uh so there's weird 80s I kind think of I references saw, like a mondo it. poster or something that sure, somebody yeah. made or some it was like something like that and i was like what that looks amazing yeah and i did some research and i just haven't gone around to seeing it yet yeah he starts designing this like <laughs> freddy krueger type claw out of a power glove and starts intimidating people to try to get his way and it just it's fucking fucked up and yeah he's uh, ape is really good too where he plays like this fucked up pathetic stand-up comedian which is sort of based on joel petroikas the director's life and like being like a bad stand-up it's it's really i think is really worth seeking out really it's sort of like the quintessential like contemporary american like new american cinema out there i, I highly recommend buzzard and, and ape too as well as earlier film really uh, yeah for let's sure check, let's check it out yeah i mean it sounds cool. good to me all right all right. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for the suggestions and thanks for being on the show. Thank you it for was, having us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was sure. great. There's yeah. a lot of we 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 don't get a lot of uh, film nerdery going on normally. Like it's true. We I, we talk to people who enjoy films, but not like who are like, you know, right cool. in there. So yeah. uh, it was good. Yeah, it was great. It was this, great is a, this is a longy. So you know, it's a longy. Yeah. Well, it's uh, we we're like an hour and a half almost at this point. With the Sweet. how long do you usually? There's like good under an hour usually. Eh. Well, I don't it know. Depends. Yeah. yeah. No, but it's like you know, there's good content there though. It was like a fun. Well, there's good content for me. Like, I don't <laughs> mean. We'll, we'll, oh. we'll be determined by like how many people before we uh, finish sucking our own dicks on microphone. <laughs> uh, just tell us one more time where we can uh, where we can check out the overrated podcast. Uh, so you can find us at overratedpodcast.com dot mm-hmm. uh, and on any like. Um, podcast network basically like we're SoundCloud, on Google Music, SoundCloud, SoundCloud iTunes whatever Stitcher alright so uh, check out the overrated podcast oh and one last thing uh, one more did you know thing. that uh, I once traded a uh, couple bottles of wine for that little white uh, thing I got back there I uh, know yeah and you can do things like that with an app called Buns I learned something new that's B-U-N-Z dot <laughs> com you can uh, either go to the Google Play Store, the Apple App Store, or Buns.com and uh, get trading. Do, Do some bartering, guys. Yeah, All right. Get it's a lovely piece, Koji. Thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. Take it easy.